Hello everyone and welcome to the season finale of the Wizards Pod. My name is Jay. I'm D. And we're J and D. Oh yeah, we're DJ. Yeah, but I'm J and D is fine. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, welcome back. As you guys probably know, we have reached the end of season one. In this podcast, we analyze Harry Potter movies and we are analyzing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and we have only a few minutes left in this first movie. We're going to have a special episode today because in addition to the regular segments, we are going to give some awards at the end, some awards that one of us... Very important awards which the actors should probably know about and care about. Actually, <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> what I was about to say is that one of us, meaning you, know nothing about these awards yes. because these awards, spoiler alert, have nothing to do with the actors. Okay. Yep. Good to know. Yep. <laughs> so you are going to give some awards as well, but you don't know what you're doing. So All right. we'll see how that goes. Perfect. I come prepared. You don't. So... We'll try to balance each other out. All right. Should we jump on the first segment? Do you remember what that is? The news. Yes, the bi-weekly yeah. profit. This week on the bi-monthly profit, I'm sorry, it's the bi-monthly profit. So this week on the bi-monthly profit, we do not have any particular news per se, but it's our new tradition that in this segment, we also celebrate birthdays, birthdays that occur between the release dates of our latest episodes. All right. So today we are going to celebrate, guess who? Is it an actor's birthday or a character? We don't celebrate actors, oh, only celebrate. characters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know who's, yeah, I don't know whose birthday it is. Dudley Dursley. Born on June 23rd, 1980, and yeah. who should be 41 years old. Yeah. Right now. Poor guy. He got a big stale for Harry's birthday, though. <laughs> yeah. Not for his birthday. And he lost one of his extra rooms at some point. Yeah. Then he got kicked out of his house. His soul was sucked out. Yeah, he... Almost. Almost. Yeah, he had it rough. Yeah. Happy Dudley. birthday, Dudley. We would have sang you happy birthday, but we don't have much time. Yeah. So... Sorry. We got to go. <laughs> and then with that, we'll move on to the core of our podcast, which is movie analysis. Shall we continue? Sure. Last time we left off at a very critical point. Harry, Ron, and Hermione had just gone past the last challenge, which was the chess game. Ron is unconscious. Hermione will take care of him, and she tells Harry to go forward because he's the one who needs to battle Voldemort because they're very convinced that Voldemort is on the other side of that chessboard. And in this particular scene, Harry sends Professor Quirrell to hell and saves the Sorcerer's Stone from Voldemort. I'm going to start this segment off with a question for yeah. you. Why do you think the Mirror of Erised, which as we have explained in the previous desire. episodes, stands for desire, is exactly in the middle of the room why is it located there you know it reminds me of the ending of the fourth movie a little bit which again i don't want to have any spoiler sure, alerts sure. for our listeners sure but some of these 
some of these challenges that we see in this first movie, in my opinion, are more difficult than the ones in the fourth movie. And then you go through all these challenges and then you just find this mirror at the center of a room. Couldn't they have tried to just hide it in a closet? Well, I think the the spell around it is like strong enough, right? Like that's the point. It's not the difficulty of finding it. It's the fact that you need, like you must want the stone, but you must not want to use it in order to get the stone. And that seems like it would disqualify 99.999% of the people. Still, it just seems too trivial that the mirror is at the center of this room. I mean, have you seen how big the room is? Yeah. yeah. What else does that room but serve for? the mirror for? is big as well. Well, with respect to the room, it isn't. Like, that looks like an auditorium to me. It has stairs. But mm. still, though. Like, okay, let me Hiding it. But I, before we go to the mirror, though, because that's the scene, like, I'd like to talk about a part that was missing from the books. To the movie and i think it's very important so in this part it seems like hermione just lets harry go mm -hmm. on his own mm -hmm. and she's like oh i'm gonna take care of ron but that's not what happens in the books in the books there is another challenge that they did not include in the movie where they have snapes yeah snape potions challenge. Yeah. yeah where they have i think like seven potions yep and like one of them is wine two of them are poison or something one of them lets you walk forward and one of them lets you return back and harry drinks the one that lets you go forward like those are very small containers and hermione drinks the one that takes you back to go and help ron but she decides to go with harry in the beginning to fight voldemort because like here it seems like okay harry just go on your own and take care of voldemort because you're such a strong wizard even though you have not performed a single <laughs> spell this whole movie somehow you're great so that's just something that i wanted to mention which i think strengthens hermione's character in the book series compared to the movie i agree and speaking of the challenge that was left out i just think that challenge adds more to my point that it's almost as if they want people to go there. Because if you are trying to hide this stone from those 0.0001% of people, why do you have to go through all these challenges? Yeah, like, just leave the mirror there. <laughs> yeah, it's almost as if you're calling for a competition or some kind of a, a contest. Like, who who gets first without killing themselves? Okay. In the middle of a school. So, kind Mind of, you. Kind, yeah, 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 true. So, kind of a theory, not not really like proven true or anything but there is a part in the book where harry says it feels like it almost feels like dumbledore wanted me to try it he wanted mm -hmm. to test me and he wanted to see if i could get through those challenges and he taught us just enough to get past those challenges so maybe it could have been a challenge for harry as well the Dumbledore set up all the way in the beginning because it didn't seem like Voldemort or anyone that was connected to him could get the stone because they were they would be all trying to use yeah. it. So like the only people that would be able to get it would be people that didn't want to use it, which would be kind of funny. Imagine if Dumbledore did the spell and then you know he couldn't take the stone out anyway. <laughs> 
you know, because like he'd be like, oh, but you know, I could use an extra few years of life, yada yada. I think Dumbledore and was... imagine it was stuck there forever. Yeah, <laughs> Harry Potter and the Lost Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> but knowing Dumbledore, from what we we're about to see and read in the next movie and books, I just feel like yeah, Dumbledore had his goals really clear, and he would not. He was not in that phase of his life where he would be tempted to live forever. Fair, no. Fair. As a child, when I watched this, I keep saying this, I was 11, which made you seven yeah. years old. As a child, I was a little shocked to see that Quirrell was the bad guy when Harry reaches a mirror at the end. Because they build it up so that Snape, Snape is the bad guy and he looks and acts like the bad guy anyway yeah. you don't see him do any good really yeah. unless you pay very close attention to details which i explain later but really he doesn't yeah. were you surprised i was and when i was younger i don't know if i said this but every time that i watched the movie i would hope that this time it would maybe be <laughs> Snape because like it's but it wasn't yeah you're so convinced that you know it's gonna be Snape, but it doesn't turn out to be Snape. no yeah very very surprising and there are little bits of clue in the movie as well oh once like, you rewatch it definitely yeah like just a few shots like not even like that many seconds there are way more in the books but the book has more to explore more time more pages yeah this is also the scene is also the part that we discover that snape was trying to save harry actually the whole time yeah what did you think about that well like first time like what was your reaction first like without knowing like snape's history yeah i thought that he was trying to do it because he really hated quarrels and so he was trying to undo what quarrel was doing yeah that's how I interpreted it because it was clear to me and I think to most people and this is true that Snape hated Harry yeah maybe hate is not the right word but Snape did not like Harry and I think our dog agrees <laughs> what I, don't is she doing? I don't know if we're gonna cut this part of it I think she's trying to agree with me <laughs> okay <laughs> yep she agrees with me. <laughs> yep and one other thing I wanted to mention is that the filmmakers stayed loyal to some of the descriptions in the book when it comes to this scene. For example, Voldemort has red eyes. True. This is the first and last time that we will see Voldemort having red eyes, even though in the book he always has red eyes. Yeah. Voldemort also hisses like a snake, just like it is described in the books. Yeah. In this movie, in this part, they said, or he said, I'm strong enough for this yeah so they stayed very loyal good catch i didn't i did not catch that i caught the eye part like i knew that i didn't know the the like sound and i don't know this voice right and i don't know if the quote that he says is from the book or not or if it's just you know a revised version of it like a paraphrased version of it but he says there is no good or evil only power and those too weak to seek it i think i think this is in the book as well doesn't it sum up voldemort yeah looking at what happens in the series yeah, yeah, yeah. and like it makes sense right like it makes sense with what he stands for and like his ideology and everything like he 
kind of despises Dumbledore and he asks him multiple times. He's like, you had like, you were given the post of minister of magic. You never took it. You're so powerful, but you choose to be a headmaster of a wizard school. Like why? So, you know, like he sees, he sees Dumbledore as someone who's not seeking that power, I guess. And he doesn't get it because he's like, why? And if our listeners are more interested, why Dumbledore was not seeking power? Well, we're not going to reveal much right now, but you have to keep until you know watching and waiting for the two <laughs> Fantastic Beast movies to come out because a lot of things I explained there, as well as in the later yeah. books, yeah. like Book Seven, is where you Book Seven, yeah. you will see or read a lot of a lot of these things. They don't go into too much depth about these in the movies, not, though. Yeah, not in the movies. But it's we'll really we'll talk in more details when we get when we get yep. to those points i think we'll, we'll have a good time then another thing i wanted to mention about this particular part is that voldemort is played by an actor named richard brammer and i don't think it's a spoiler alert at this point for those who maybe have just seen i don't know how just the first movie and nothing else that this is the last time that you will see Voldemort being portrayed by this actor. And this is the last time you'll see Voldemort with a nose. And red eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody. Yeah. <laughs> and at this age. <laughs> true, true. Well, because you can see him with a nose, right? <laughs> when he's Tom Riddle. Yeah, when he's younger. What do you think of, you know, you've seen all the movies. You've seen everything. Without spoiling anything, how... What do you think of this actor who played Voldemort? How do you think he did? No, he did very well. Like, it's... Yeah, he did fine. Do you think it was a good idea to recast Voldemort? I I don't know. Because, like, this was... Like, the casting, I guess, for this was so small. I'd expect it. I don't know. Because, like, Voldemort has just, like, a few minutes in the whole movie, you know? He, he does. And, like, just he doesn't three. have a body, just his face. And, and even that is... It's more edited very, very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I think like maybe they didn't spend too much time and they didn't have to think about too many things. But when they casted Voldemort in the fourth movie, then they had to think about it, like the way he looks, his expressions, because he was going to be in it way more. And once that was done, it's not like they could go back and change how Voldemort looked. At least not by their own choice. You know, I agree. Because they changed Dumbledore. But... I agree. Do you have anything else to add to this scene? There are a couple of things that I noticed. One good catch or one catch that I think I got was Harry walking to Quirrell. Mm-hmm. So when he's like, bring me the boy. Like if you notice Harry's, Harry's arms, they're like kind of like in his sides. Mm-hmm. And he's not really moving them. And you see also Quirrell put his hand out. So I was wondering, I this wasn't in the book, I don't think, but it feels almost like Quirrell is forcing Harry to come down. I don't know if you think that as well. I did not. Like the way that he moved, it seemed like forced and almost as he was like, as Quirrell was bringing him down and Quirrell does that like, hand motion the whole way until Harry comes and then like drops his hand. Like the way that they do magic is kind of like, you know, weird. I feel a force within me. 
trying to pull me closer to the television. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so good acting. Yeah, yeah, but I, I thought that was like something that I'd missed before, but watching it for this podcast, I thought I caught it. But yeah, it was it was good. On the other hand, like it's a little bit unbelievable. Like this 11-year-old child, not un- unbelievable within the world, right? We're not talking about magic and stuff. But this 11-year-old child is able to refuse an offer and not even consider someone promising him that he can take his parents back. He can bring his parents back. And he's just like, hey, I'm just going to say no. And I am I can get riches from this stone and I could be immortal. But I'm going to refuse all of this. And I just want I want to find the stone, but I don't want to use it. And I have another problem with this. To respond to this point you just made, as tempting as it might be for Harry to want to bring his parents back and maybe just take Voldemort up on this offer. Remember what Dumbledore told him when they met near the mirror of said around Christmas. No spell can bring the dead true. to life, Harry. True, true. And, you know, if you're very desperate, you might not just consider what Dumbledore, the yeah. headmaster of your school, is saying and just go with Voldemort. And but, one of the most powerful wizards as he has. But yeah, this is where Voldemort and Harry differ. Voldemort tends to get too excited and carried away and then lose track of the details, whereas Harry is, I think, more of a calm slash critical thinker kind of person. And that's why I think he decided the way he did. Like, I'm not going to take you up on that you're the person that killed my parents you're the person that i've led some really sad 11 years of my life and now you're saying you're gonna bring my parents but you just want the stone i think it was pretty straightforward for him okay so here's one thing that's really really stupid that's gonna make you what question the whole movie or series well the movie particularly so if the mirror of Ares said show gives the stone to whoever person wants to get who to whoever wants to get the stone but get it and not why didn't it. give it a quarrel no 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 like okay. because quarrel like he might be he might want to use it for himself he might want to use it for voldemort you know okay like it might apply to other people mm-hmm. as well if harry just stayed in bed that night and drank hot chocolate and literally did nothing at all and just waited for Dumbledore to come back from the Ministry of Magic, nothing would have happened. Because Quirrell could have stayed with that mirror for hours, days. He would not have gotten it. Like The only reason why there is a fight for the stone at the end is because Harry takes the stone out. That is true. So it's a very good point, and I had not thought about that. And I really, really like it. But there is some value to what happened with respect to the rest of the series. Because, because of this, we know that Voldemort is out there. Because a lot of people are on denial, and they will be for two, three more movies. Yeah. So there is one thing. Also, the friendship of Harry, Ron, and Hermione, which is essential to what happens in the series, gets... Sure very consolidated in this part but as far as saving the stone no as far as saving the stone yeah no like no. the stone would have been 
way safer if that's Harry not, had not that's, No, there. I agree. I agree. But I'm also going to tell you, this is not the first movie in the series where at the end, at the climax, the climax could have completely been avoided and things would still be the same. <laughs> and I'll come back to this. But not okay. in this movie. Okay. However, this is a very interesting point. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Okay. What... Uh... What do you think about... Okay, so after Harry gets the stone, right? He talks a little bit to Voldemort. We talked about how he refused his offer, which was very impressive in my opinion. What do you think about the fight between Harry and Quirrell? Like, what did you think, like, visually? Like, was it was it pleasing? What did you think about the finale? There was not too much of a fight, really. It was just, oh, you touch me, I turn you to ashes, goodbye. And... What shocks me is that when he did that, even I don't think like, oh, wow, Harry just killed a teacher. It's a professor of Hogwarts that he destroyed. Well, he killed a person, like even if it wasn't a teacher. Right, right. right. But it's it's so many layers of like, wow, that, that go away just because this guy has studied with Voldemort and we don't yeah. see him as a person or a true authority true. or all those labels become insignificant. So that's one thing. But going back to your original question about visually, what did you think? I think it was very well done. And here's why. Because it turned into ashes and kind of just disappeared. I think it was good choice. I don't remember if this is how it happens in the book or not. But it it was a good choice in terms of visual, in terms of the audience. Harry is 11. So a lot of the people watching the movie are, well, Harry Potter fanatics, but around 11. And... Again, Harry Potter has a very wide range of fans, but because 11-year-olds would watch this and re-watch this, I think that was a good way of like, oh, Professor Quirrell became smoke. Yeah. I think that was, from a cinematic perspective, a good choice. I play that same thing, kind of similar with Voldemort at the last movie. But either way, um, in the books, what happens is that Harry does not kill Quirrell. So but the way, Quirrell goes to Azkaban? I don't think so. No, no. But the way there are a couple of things that are mentioned in the book. So first of all, Voldemort shortens the lifespan of the creatures that he possesses. Yep. And he possesses Quirrell, right? He is in the back of his head, like literally living within mm-hmm. him. Yep. Kind of different than what Ginny had in the second movie. Um, so I think like that has an effect on him, but in the, in the book, it's Voldemort that kills Squirrel. It's Voldemort kind of going through him and going out of him that causes Squirrel to die. When Harry touches him, like it burns Quirrell and Voldemort is trying to escape the body. I see. And that's when Quirrell dies. So it's not that he dies from burning is that he dies from leaving the body and as Harry actually is just like fainting he mm-hmm. sees a pair of spectacles and it's Dumbledore that has come down there so Dumbledore is down there within like a minute or two in the books after this whole fight has ended but in the books it's not Harry that actually kills him and Harry does not witness it and I feel like he's half unconscious or unconscious when Quirrell dies. Yeah. And that's why he couldn't see the Thestrals until the fifth movie. 
which we will talk about later yeah because he had not seen anyone die yet yeah it's a very good point no matter how many times i think i reread or re-listen to the books because i always end up watching and re-watching the movie later some of these details just get faded away so the lesson learned is there is always value and fun in just rereading or re-listening to the audiobooks. Yeah, they're really, is, they're really good. There is so much more depth, and like this book is small, right? It's like two hundred pages, but there is so much more depth to like Harry walking and talking with Quirrell. Like there is so much going on. Yeah. Harry is thinking. He's like, oh my god, what do I do? How do I lie to this guy? And here you just see them, and like back and forth, back and right. forth. Yeah, that's very. Good but yeah, that's it brain. about this scene. I don't have anything else. Well, then next we cut to the scene where Harry wakes up in the hospital wing and chats with Professor Dumbledore about things like philosophy, love, and candy. Yeah. In pretty much all the movies, when I watch this scene, I think that Dumbledore is cool and has a sense of humor no matter who is playing Dumbledore and no matter what's happening. And our dog agrees with me again. Yes. (laughs) Because she's moving around. Uh, For example, the way that he addresses that everyone knows the top secret event that happened with Harry and his friends, I think it's very short and sweet and fun. And it just tells you that this is not the kind of headmaster that is strict and like, don't break the rules. But he's also not the kind of headmaster who is just like all fun and not being like, smart or intelligent just doing administrative jobs like he is super smart and he's so confident that he knows when it's time to just crack a joke yeah and he's yeah but you also wonder like is this really like the most powerful wizard in the world right yeah but he is (laughs) and we'll see that also i like to address this in almost all of our episodes i think there is some good continuity going on in the movies related to the hospital wing the hospital wing never changes i think this is probably the first time we see the hospital wing right in at all i think so i don't think anybody else has ended up there in the movie yet until this scene but no matter how dark or light the movie gets or who the directors become in the future that's really the hospital wing remains the same and that is awesome i like when we keep things the same as well (laughs) yeah i mean you can change things a little bit and you can change the theme and all that but make it consistent because for so many diehard fans like you and i hogwarts is home you know home in tv home away from home it's a place where i mean look at us we're making a podcast about it because we care so much about it so keeping things as consistent as you can i think is something that fans really like and i keep saying this every time when the time comes for us to analyze the third movie I'm going to have a lot to say about things that just change. And I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> All right. So let's see, like, what else? They talk about love, with which I think is really nice. And it's a theme that will follow throughout the whole movie, right? Yeah. Because it's really, like, even in the end when Harry is talking to Voldemort, like, I'm talking, like, and then, like, film seven and, mm-hmm. like, they still have this discussion about magic that Voldemort doesn't know. And it turns out to be love. And this is what they're talking about. Like the most 
powerful type of magic, even more powerful mm -hmm. than dark magic. And I think it's really cool that they mention it in this first scene. And there is also like hints to later things that will happen later on that are mentioned in this scene in the book, though, not not as much. The movie. I don't think the movie mentioned it, but Harry asks, why did Voldemort want to kill me when I was a baby? And Dumbledore just says, that is a question that I cannot answer right now. And since we're talking about this exchange between the two of them and Harry trying to get answers from Dumbledore, could you elaborate more? I'm going to let you do this because I know you like doing this part. I personally right. have the answer, but I like All it right. when you answer it. Why did Professor Quirrell turn into ashes when Harry touched it? Or let me ask this a different way. Why was Professor Quirrell hesitant to touch Harry? Because Harry has his mother's blood in him and has the protection that his mother gave him when she died for him. He yeah. has the protection of love. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the answer. That's that's it, right? Like yeah, yeah, her the... sacrificing herself because to save Harry is the reason why Voldem Voldemort could not kill Harry or touch Harry or harm Harry. And I've been thinking since we opened this can of worms, maybe I should leave this for later. I'll leave this for later. It's fine. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think you explained it fairly well, right? When Lily Potter got between Voldemort and Harry to protect her son and Voldemort killed her, there was a spell, meaning love, and if, if you want to call it spell in quotes, Voldemort doesn't really understand that gave he Harry... He says it was an old piece of magic yeah, that he overlooked. <laughs> that, gave, that gave Harry a protection. His mother's love and sacrifice uh, forced, you know, Voldemort's... Um, killing spell to bounce back. Yep. That's pretty much what happened. And that still persists. That's what, what I'm trying to emphasize. That yep. is still persisting to this day. Eventually, Voldemort will find a way to a loophole, a workaround. Yeah. This scene also has, it's short, right? This exchange with Harry and Dumbledore, but it has pieces of information that will be relevant for the remainder of the series. Because here we also find out that Voldemort will most likely be back. When Harry asks Dumbledore, he oh, says, oh, yes, uh, he will probably be back. As fans of this show watching this movie for the first time, I at least I thought, yay, in the sense that there's going to be more movies and this story continues. It's not like, okay, we're done with Voldemort and maybe in the next movie, if there's going to be one, we're going to do with another villain. No, it's not that kind of, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of a story. Oh, yeah, good point, because he says, like, now that we destroyed the Philosopher's Stone, he'll never come back. And he and says there's other ways that he can yeah. use to come back, and spoiler alert, because we're so close, he'll find a way in the second movie. Uh, yeah. Now, are you ready for a pop quiz before we move forward? Sure. What flavor of Birdie Bot's every flavor beans did Dumbledore want to get not what did he get in this scene he said he wanted to get one flavor but he ended up getting earwax i knew that you'd probably try to remember what he got because that no, was a good pop quiz yeah I, I forgot about your stupid pop quiz <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> they're not going anywhere <laughs> okay what is it? toffee I... toffee okay 
Yep. Toffee. It's so British. Like, who makes toffee? Then we move on to the next one. A very short scene in which we discover that Ron and Hermione are also doing well and that the friendship of the trio is officially consolidated. When Harry asks Hermione how you're doing, she says, never better. I don't know. Do you have anything to add? It's a very short and no, sweet very, scene. No, very, very short and sweet scene. I have more to add about the other one. The one we just left? No, no, no. The, the upcoming Oh, one. I have a lot about the next one. So shall we move on to the next yeah, one? Yeah, sure, sure. So we're going to cut to the scene in which the House Cup is awarded to Gryffindor. Which is so dumb. After awarding some last minute points to Gryffindor. Yeah. So now, here's the thing. I'm going to start with this scene with a pop quiz and then we'll move on with all, all right, the things you right. have to say. How many points did House Ravenclaw have at the end of the school year? I'm going to make this multiple choice because I'm pretty sure I don't sure, remember. I have no idea. Okay. 352, 312, 426, or 412? No. Okay. Gryffindor had 312 at the beginning of dinner. Okay. Hufflepuff, 352. Ravenclaw, 426. And Slytherin, 472. And then what happened? Hermione got 50 points for great use of intellect when others were in danger. She deserved that. Ron got 50 points for best chess game that Hogwarts had seen in years. Okay, fair. Harry got 60 points for pure love and outstanding courage. Very strong sure. skills greatest, of how Gryffindor. wizard, yes. And Neville Longbottom ended up getting 10 points because, and I quote, it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. Again, okay. Dumbledore delivering one of his best lines. Okay, here are... Oh, and let me add just this. Yes. The total ended up being 482. So at the end, Gryffindor was 10 points ahead of Slytherin, which meant Gryffindor won the house cup that year. Go yeah, ahead. Here are some of my issues with this scene. So, I'll let you go first because I yeah, have like, a few. How do you change everything in the last minute? You're like, la la la, I'm Dumbledore, Gryffindor wins. Number one, I that don't That matches like it. mine as well. My, my number one problem with All this. All right. All right. You say one, but I said one. I'm just going to add to this that the whole place was decorated yeah. for Slytherin. Slytherins knew that finals were done, right? They were going to celebrate. They were like, we won, we worked yeah, hard. It should be a kind we're of ambitious. Period. So yes. yeah, there should be a cutoff here. I have a problem with this. Go ahead. Do you have another one? Yes. The other one. I have is, another one as well. The other one is why did Harry get sixty points when Ron and Hermione got fifty? Because I have a problem with this one as well, even though I did not write it down. But Dumbledore did it in such a way that uh, Gryffindor would win. Yeah, exactly. So he was just trying Perfect. to award yeah, points just, in such a way that yeah. the tally, like the, tally them up. Yeah, and the lead. 10 points for Neville. Like, <laughs> like wow, you did but that hey, so well. Hey, he has, now we know why Lev Neville Longbottom is a Gryffindor. True, Because he's fair, brave, he's should, courageous. But you don't get points just for being in the right house. Just like you don't lose points for being a Gryffindor. Because Snape does that to Gryffindors. Yeah, hey, and hey this... that's a that's a different issue. Wait, like, McGonagall it... causes more issues to Gryffindors. That is true. Than Snape does. But so let's let's not even get there. I like why ten points. It's just to say like, just so you are just a little bit ahead of Slytherin, and I don't like that. I agree with you. However, now I'm going to jump onto the things that I 
kind of like about what Dumbledore did, the more I was thinking about it. If Dumbledore had not done what he did, that would have allowed Professor Snape to deduct all the points that Dumbledore would have given ahead of time, no matter how many, to Gryffindors, because that's what Snape does. So if Dumbledore had done that before dinner, well, Snape would have seen Harry walk in the hallway and say, oh, you're looking a little snarky today. A yeah. <laughs> hundred points from Gryffindor, boom. And then so they would have won. Dumbledore kind of knew that that year, Gryffindor had to win, and they had to win because with Harry, they won the Quidditch game. And in the movie, there is one, but in the book, there is more than one game. They won, and they don't win everything. They, yeah, I know. Not everything. They don't win the cup because Harry was not part of the game because he was in the hospital for two weeks. They show bravery trying to prevent the worst wizard of all times from taking the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's By Stone. By breaking a bunch of school rules. <sighs> Nonetheless, this... And as we mentioned, the stone would have been safer if they just stayed in bed and watched TV, there is no, there is TV. no TV, but and read Hogwarts the Daily Prophet, <laughs> whatever. But nonetheless, regardless, I agree with you. But this, the house Gryffindor was the most distinguished house that school year. I mean, and the main reason for that is because they had Harry Potter. Either way, the house cup is like a big deal for the first year and then the second year, and then no one cares. Uh, even in the movie, that was the only time, actually, the only movie that they cover the house cup, and they don't. No, they cover it in the second movie. The well. movie? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I don't want to talk about the second movie yet, but... Uh, in the end, when they are... They don't announce the house cup at the end. No, they don't announce the house cup, but Dumbledore gives them a bunch of points, in the end, they it gives... In the movie? Yeah. No. In the movie, yeah. It doesn't give points yeah, at the yeah, end yeah. of the second movie. Yeah, yeah. I, was this a deleted scene? No, 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 no. I think he does. We'll see it when we get there. But I think he gives like 250 points to Harry and 250 points to Ron, which is like 500 points, which is more than any house in the first So let's year, focus right? on the first movie. Yeah, yeah, and since we're talking way. numbers, I have some numbers as well. Dumbledore makes sure to add, like you said, exactly the right number of points to beat Slytherin. But also what surprises me is that just in one night, in just a few minutes, he awards to Neville, Harry, Ron, and Hermione 33% of the overall points that House Gryffindor ends up getting at the end of the school year, which to me sounds a little bit inflated. Uh, I don't have an issue with that. And the question for you is, why do you think the overall points, uh, point totals are so low across the whole houses, the, the whole, uh, all the houses? Because... You know, we've seen in the movie as well as in the books that a lot of points are awarded, a lot of points are deducted. So I know that they go hand by hand, but you'd think more points are awarded. Maybe if not to House Gryffindor, to I, I don't know, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, they tend to follow rules. You know, they tend to be studious and all that. So why aren't we seeing points in the thousands? But at the end of the school year, we have Gryffindor sitting with 312 points before Dumbledore does what he does and Slytherin at 472. So really, I don't think there is enough. Like, I, I wish there were in the thousands, don't you think? Yeah, I, I didn't think about the thousands. But about the 50, I'd like to add something and then we can discuss the thousands. The, the thousand one makes sense, right? Like, if each house has around two to 300 students, from what I remember, Hogwarts has around a thousand students. You're talking about the book. Yeah, the book. we've covered this in previous yeah. episodes. Yeah. In the movie, the numbers are yeah. really different. But the thought, like, because those numbers come from the book, 
right? Those like 500, yeah. those 400, 300. And like if each house has 200 students, if each student got around 10 points, that doesn't seem too bad to me, honestly. How many points do you say per student? 10 points per student, 200 students. Oh, that's no, that's 2000. Yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And like we see Hermione, but we, like, for example, we see Hermione get all the points. And then that adds like up to the same. all the classes, right? That's the same argument you just made, because if Hermione, Hermione gets all the points, there are people who do not get much points. So it yeah. averages out, if you think about it. So the number is low. I think the number yeah. is low. It, it could be a mistake as well, right? Or like, it's just simple, simple, right? If this movie is targeting yeah. a, like young audiences, young audiences will understand smaller numbers better than 12,354, yeah, you know I what think, I mean? True, true. I didn't think about that. But on the other hand, like there are things that J.K. Rowling does which don't make sense to me. Like what? So like if each year has like, if Hogwarts has a thousand students, it means that each class should have around 130 students, something like that, roughly. Okay. But Harry's year doesn't have 130 students. No, we've covered this. Like it has like 30. Yeah, we have covered it like the it's wizard like 20, 20 to 8 to 30. Yeah. yeah, but like it doesn't make sense. And it just seems like an editing mistake, something that slipped through. And these numbers, like you said, were probably chosen. I, I like that argument. Like, like I, I like to like show buttholes. Uh -huh. So like, yeah, I like the argument. But about the 50 points, it makes sense to award 50 points if they were going to take 50 points away for students being out late at night. You know, like when they did when Draco discovered them. So this one, like, it seems a tad bit more impressive to beat Lord, uh, Lord Voldemort compared to, you know, being caught outside of hours out of bed either way yeah but yeah and then yeah the next part is that everyone is happy and everyone is cheering and slytherin is mad well fairly. what what gets my attention is that even slytherins you see them you know hesitant but then they just get up and kind of throw the head yeah in which the air, doesn't except for draco yeah draco and he stops he's very yeah, tempted he, but and he stops he crab and goyle from doing it and it doesn't make sense to I, me. is it i don't think it's this movie that he stops grabbing i think it's the next one that he does okay. and this one is just drake i okay. rewinded it to see okay. it it's just draco that it's so excited and then he's just like no no i'm not doing this yeah it, it could be i don't know yeah it's just something like it doesn't happen in real life imagine if your team was winning at something and then like your victory got snatched away would you be cheering for the other team especially if it got snatched away in such a manner yeah most likely not so either way do we have anything else to say about nope. this scene all right we'll move on to the next one the final scene of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone is the one where students are going back home after the school year and harry tells us that and i quote he isn't going home not really i'm going to start this part with a fun fact i don't know if you know but this is the first scene that was ever filmed in the series and in this movie. Yeah, I think I know that. And this is why the young, the actors, the young actors, Harry Ron and Hermione, meaning Daniel, Emma, and Rupert, they look slightly younger, if you pay close attention, than they do in some other scenes. Yeah. This 
when I look also, at Hermione has different teeth. I yes, I, that's yeah. in my notes as well. So Daniel Radcliffe, who, pay, who plays Harry Potter, is wearing green tinted contacts. In some of the shots for this scene, you'll see that some in some he doesn't, in some he does. They tried giving him um, the green eyes that he has in the books, but his eyes just rejected the, yeah, the, contacts. the contacts, and he kept looking like he's crying or whatever. So they just decided to go without them later. And Emma Watson, like you said, um, she's wearing fake teeth in just parts of this yeah. because in the books, uh, Hermione, at least until yeah. book four, is supposed to have um, large front teeth. And do you want to know another fun fact about this? Go for it. Someone that I know made the project about this scene. Oh, I did. The most magical scene. <laughs> In the Harry Potter movie. And you picked, in the movie about magic, you picked this one as the most magical scene. I did. So tell us why. Yeah, I was in my freshman year in college and I was supposed to deliver a speech. And the speech was supposed to be about anything that you want, doesn't matter, as long as you practice good speech giving and all the techniques we had learned. Which you are very good at. Oh, you're too nice, but thank you. <laughs> And I chose Harry Potter because I was really passionate about it and I wanted to choose a topic that I really, really liked. But I, I made it clear to the professor and the class because we were talking about what we we're going to talk about uh, a few days before the speech day. And when I mentioned Harry Potter, the professor said, are you sure? Because it's a movie for kids. You want your speech to be powerful, strong. You want it to be remembered. And the thesis of my speech was not that, oh, Harry Potter is so cool. I love Harry Potter. Take me to Florida, to yes. the Harry Potter park. Should no, have been nice which if you went to Florida. Would have, but... From one speech. <laughs> <laughs> no. My, my point was that Harry Potter is not just about magic and fantasy and just for kids. It is a, a world, now they have come up with a name, calling it Wizarding World, that is centered around family, friendship, and love and that is a real magic of harry potter yeah. and that's what makes it appealing to all age groups it's not just the fact that oh there is dragons and there's swans and there's magic and you get all of this from hagrid the hagrid and yes so harry when i yeah. correct so when i started my when i started my speech i basically used a snippet from this scene to start the speech with and i said well this is from harry potter it's at the end there is no magic but this is why it's relevant to all ages and this is why it's magical and again you brought this up but you got an a oh yeah I, of course i, I mean course i got an a, got a. but the professor <laughs> the professor we're not talking about me the professor though what made me feel good is that the professor said that it was the best speech that anyone had given in that class oh. and what made me feel better is not that oh i gave a good speech and i delivered a good speech in terms of delivery methods but Yes, what I really wanted to deliver to the audience worked. I was not trying to have people like Harry Potter. I wasn't trying yeah, to get yeah. people to read the books or watch the movie or see how much of a Harry Potter fan I am. I didn't even mention how diehard fan I am. I, they probably I, I, understood that. Uh, maybe, I don't know. But <laughs> I, I tried to focus on the magic beyond the magic. And I, I truly believe that. I wish I wish I would, take, I would have taken notes. Um, you probably know this about me but even though yeah, you don't take notes for speeches yeah i i haven't much into public speaking and i i deliver speeches frequently but 
I have never written, like fully written a speech. I may have points, like bullet points, and I know what I you want to talk about. know what you should about, start but... doing? You should start doing like a best man for hire for weddings. Like, think how many <laughs> weddings. How works. Hey, 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 hey. Think how many weddings. Like there is a movie about this with Kevin Hart, really good movie. They have like a whole service that they do. But what if we could hire you just for the speech? You just would I be delivering the speech or just preparing the speech for someone else? Because I don't write oh, speeches. That's good. I don't write speeches. You don't though. write speeches. No, You're good at I deliver speeches. And we can find people that you that they don't have a best man to speak in the wedding, <laughs> but they would be willing to pay good money for someone to speak in their wedding. He's like, "You're good at that." I don't know and if I'm gonna I leave hear, this in the podcast be, or cut it out. No, you should leave it. Either way, yeah, this is really cool. It's a nice scene. It's magical. We, we, yeah. We also see a picture of baby Harry and his parents for the first time ever in this scene. Yeah. We've seen his parents, right? Coming in as images in the mirror, very sad. We've seen flashbacks. And then in the Voldemort scene, we see them as well behind the mirror. But we've never seen the three of them together. Yeah. Like a caption of what used to be a real life. The Who made that together. picture? Who took the picture? How did it get into Hagrid's hands. I don't know. Like, I think it is mentioned in the book. I just don't remember it. I don't know I think, either. I think Hagrid... Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I Well, think, it's only me here. So. Yeah, but like someone in the comments, you oh. know, if we get comments, etc. Um, I think someone... I think Hagrid wrote to the friends of Harry's parents to ask them if they had any pictures of Lily and James. I think so. I'm, that creates more questions than it gives answers, in my opinion, because who are these friends? Like, we read seven books, we see eight movies, and Lupin all we know about is Lupin and Sirius Black, which is clearly not around. Um, Lupin... Lily had friends, had friends before, like, you know... How come we never hear about these friends? No, you hear about the How friends. How come we never see them? You don't see much of Lily. Like, her friends. You think that you don't hear you much think, about Lily and her friends. You think that her friends would reach out to her and say, "Hey, I'm a friend of your mom's. Here's some pictures." Yeah, so let's go on a play date. No, it's not how it works in the magic world. Okay, Harry uh, has no relatives and he's a poor, poor orphan. We have set that premise. No cousins, <laughs> no good cousins. Sorry, no grandparents. Yeah, right. Is there anything else you have to say about this scene? No, no, no. That's it. Let's go to the... Well, that wraps up the movie analysis portion of our episode. And we'll move on to the next one, which is a special segment. All right. I call this special segment Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone Awards. As you guys know, we are analyzing the Harry Potter movies. There are seven books. There is seven plus one movies. There's going to be seven episodes of this podcast for every movie. And therefore, guess how many awards we're giving today? Seven. Six plus one. <laughs> the first award is one that you are very familiar with because we do it at the end of every podcast, which is the favorite spell in the movie so far. But because we had no new spells in this last few, what, 15, 20 minutes we just analyzed, then our favorite spells remain in effect from episode six. 
for me, the favorite spell in the movie ended up being Petrificus Total, the spell that just yes. freezes you, but you don't lose conscious and you're petrified for like an hour or whatever. And that game. And for you, you don't even know what it was, do you? Because last time, in the last episode, I said, if you don't remember, I'm not counting that. Yeah, you don't have to count it because I have a new spell. But how? That Isn't... happened in the last part of the movie. Which, the, spell... the one we just talked about? Yes. Quirrell lights up the entire place. Was there an incantation? There is no incantation, so but that... it's a spell. Like, no. how did he do it? Did he use... Did he use gas to light these on fire? Is there a name for the spell? There is no name for the spell, but you can put the clickety clickety snappy <laughs> finger spell that lights things on fire. I think that is really cool. And that's your favorite spell? That is my favorite spell. Period. In the whole movie? And I'm even. I think in the whole movie, but it might be in the whole series. I'm even better sure. than Eye of Rabbit, Harpstring Hum, Turn This Water Into Rum. It is right in there with this, but like considering that this one actually works, I think, yeah, I, I think the snippety snippety <laughs> finger snapping fire one is, is my favorite. If you're listening to this, feel free to leave a comment. We are just curious to see what your favorite spell is. And especially what do you think of a snippety snippety <laughs> made finger up spell? No, no. Oh snippety, boy. Finger snap fire spell. Please let us know. The next award we're going to give is the funniest character in this movie. Now, I have nominees. You come unprepared, so you just feel free to say whatever you want or you just have get it. Nominees? Yes, it's just a, choose one. Come I on. have chosen one. Okay, but I'm gonna, who is, who is? I'm gonna tell you the nominees. It's an award uh, ceremony. Oh my god. The nominees are ordered in the Why order people need more Hollywood <laughs> in their life. <laughs> the nominees are ordered in the order in which they appear in the movie. I tried it. Okay, let me. So the funniest characters, I have three. My top three funniest characters are Vernon Dursley, Rubius Hagrid, and Neville Longbottom. And I give this award to Vernon Dursley. That is surprising. I know. I'm full of surprises today. Well, let's see. Why did you give it to Vernon? Oh, really? I mean, how much did we laugh just by watching those parts involving Vernon when we were preparing for this podcast six episodes ago, when he's huffing and puffing, yeah. or when he's uh, trying to block Harry from getting the letters, or when he asks about mail on Sunday, or the way he just shakes his mustache. Yeah, he. The, it's it's more like the way that the actor plays it. Yeah, but yeah. we're analyzing the movie, not the book. So fair, I think in the fair. movie... Vernon Dursley is played in a very funny way. He's mean, don't take me wrong. He's not a positive character, yeah. but he makes me chuckle because he doesn't have much power and yet he just fair, tends to be fair. funny. How about you? Funniest Who do you think is the funniest character, character in this movie? Or you can choose from my list, Vernon, Hagrid, or Neville. From this list, I think. I don't know. Neither. It's a tough choice. I don't know. Maybe like from this list, Neville has like the funniest scenes, but I don't. Except Neville's humor is more like, oh, I'm falling from the yeah, broomstick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm breaking my whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think the funniest thing about Neville is that he wins 10 points and he doesn't know why he won 10 points. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. Which that makes is funny. sense. No one knows why he won 10 points. <laughs> 
points. All right, next next category. The third award is the most underrated character in this movie. And I have three. Professor Phileas Flitwick, which maybe some people don't know, in addition to being a charms professor, he's also the head of the Ravenclaw House. Ravenclaw house. Yeah. And then, very good at dueling. And very good at dueling. You don't, you don't, they don't say about this in the movie, obviously, yeah. but they cover it in the books. So he is definitely underrated, don't you think? He deserves to be in this list. Then we have Nicolas Flamel. Yeah, you know, they tell it to us that, you know, he's very much accomplished and he invented the philosopher's slash sorcerer's stone, but they don't talk too much about Flamel itself or himself. Yeah. And Hedwig. Yeah, I think Nicholas Flamel for me. And what? for me, it's Hedwig. Because they treat Hedwig as just a simple pet, maybe, in the movie. You know, it's a cool gift that Harry gets for his birthday from Hagrid. But then after that, we see Hedwig fly every now and then. But they don't show how Hedwig is actually Harry's friend. Hedwig actually seems to get Harry's emotions. Hedwig sure. is delivering mail and it's... Sure, like delivering mail and being a dumb, dumb owl or like creating the Philosopher's Stone. Very equal things. How about delivering mail without having a GPS? You just write the name of the addressee and boom. And we'll talk about that later because yeah, I know we have a whole Jeff theory. Bezos has done that. You just write the name and he's like, da, 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 here is your... Here is well, your... maybe he should be on my list. Yeah, maybe. He's I... still working on finding a cure to death, I'm pretty sure. I will give this... Jeff Bezos, I mean. <laughs> Next, the fourth word is the best Hogwarts house this school year. Now, there's four houses, but I have three slots for nominees. And my nominees are... Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff. Who's surprised? I'm not. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> and guess what? I oh, give my word yeah, to Gryffindor. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> and you? I don't know. I like no. Like of course, Gryffindor is better. Like we don't hear about anything about any. Of exactly. The two houses we hear about is Gryffindor yeah, and Slytherin. The good ones and the bad ones. Yeah, we know that the two middle one exists, but we don't know much about them. And the other one is a bad one. Yeah. At least when I say bad, I don't want to hurt or just judge those people that identify as Slytherins and are listening to our podcast. I'm just saying that in the first movie, we don't know much about Slytherins. And it takes quite a few movies, actually, to kind of get into that. All right. So. All right. The fifth word. Maybe you'll like this one. The worst villain, excluding Voldemort. Voldemort will always be excluded from this kind of award because yeah, yeah. No, he's, a, he's, a, he's the main villain of the he's movie. like the worst villain. So what's the worst villain of this movie? And I have three in my list. Petunia Dursley. I have Professor Quirrell. And I have Professor Snape. I think all of them are good. I think Quirrell is pure evil. Wait, you're saying like the worst... I thought like the worst one, like who's not enough of a villain. No, no, no. Who's the worst no, person, character? Bad. But bad. who's the worst? That's all of them. Well, Professor Quirrell, I think, is the worst right. because you none of these other guys, like Petunia in my list, at least, and Snape attempted to kill Harry, but Quirrell did. We don't know about Petunia. And uh, I'm pretty sure Snape thought about it. But he was very good at controlling himself. So good All job, right, Snape. Next one. Number six. Can you guess what this award is about? I don't know. The favorite supporting character, not actor. 
were leaving actress and acting alone was a favorite supporting character just by looking or watching the movie. I have three nominees. Garrick Ollivander, also known as Mr. Ollivander, Ferenzi the Centaur, and Neville Longbottom. And I give it to Neville Longbottom because he's my favorite gossip spreader at Hogwarts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've covered that in one of the episodes. <laughs> I forgot that. Yeah, that, that's a good choice. I, I like Peeves. But he's, he's not. In, yeah, he's in some deleted scenes, I think. But speaking of Peeves, I heard that they wanted to, and by they I mean Chris Columbus, specifically the director of the first and second movie, to release a new version of this movie, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's With Stone. Peeves including the scene yeah. that Peeves was cut out of. Yeah, that would be cool. something that would make me pay and just go and, I don't know, see it again or just You're buy it. You're easy to take money from. <laughs> <laughs> Only for things that I really like. Yeah. Harry Potter is one of the things I really like. And number seven, the last but not least, the favorite main character. I have Albus Dumbledore, Harry Potter, and Rubius Hagrid. And I give this award personally to Rubius Hagrid. The movie starts with Hagrid being this That's emotional right. guy who brings Harry. And the movie ends with Hagrid giving him a very meaningful gift. And the movie continues in the middle with Hagrid spilling out secrets that he's not supposed to spill out. So he's just funny. He's a kind of a fatherly figure, but also a friend. And I am all about Hagrid in this movie. And spoiler alert to those people who haven't seen the rest of the movies, we will not see too much of Hagrid as much as we de- we see in the first movie. Maybe the second one as well. And then from that on, he is in every movie, but he moves to the sidelines, I think. But in the first two movies, I think Hagrid is considered a main character, at least in my books. Yeah, fair. For me, my favorite character, Dumbledore, maybe. Like, I liked him when I was reading the book. You don't see much of him. I mean, Dumbledore is great. I yeah. it wasn't he was on my list, so I yeah, Dumbledore. Yeah. All right. Do you have any other awards? Because that's all I have for awards. I don't think so. <laughs> well, in that case, that brings us to the end of this episode, as well as to the end of season one of our podcast. Dun, because dun, 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 dun. Oh, sorry. no, no, no. Sorry. This is not Game different, of Thrones. Different, different, different series, series different, different age groups, world, yeah. different everything. But we're done with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, also known in some countries as Harry Potter and Lazarus Stone. We've analyzed the whole movie, split it into seven parts, paid attention to close details, focused on some really dumb and some really smart things, celebrated character birthdays, talked about favorite spells and awards. But if you think we should include some new segments in the upcoming seasons, or if you have any more comments on what we should or shouldn't do or what you liked most or least, Please let us know in the comment section of whatever platform you're listening in. Share it with your favorite friends. And remember to solemnly swear that you're up to no good. Bye. See you in season two.